Hello, hello, hello. What a blessing and honor for each of you to join us on this special day for the Hour of Excellence. The theme is, it's about our children, our outstanding dignitaries who are destined for greatness. Let's continue to love and pray for our children because they are truly someone special. Please enjoy today's presentation. Today is Veterans Day. Veterans Day is always observed on November 11. On Veterans Day, Americans honor all living military veterans, including the many working moms who are veterans of military service. Veterans Day is celebrated with speeches and parades across the United States. The holiday began as Armistice Day on November 11, 1919, the first anniversary of the end of World War I. In 1926, Congress passed a resolution for an annual observance. In 1938, November 11 became a national holiday. In 1954, President Dwight D. Eisenhower signed legislation changing the name to Veterans Day in order to honor veterans of all American wars. On November 11, 1921, an unidentified American soldier killed in the war was buried at Arlington National Cemetery in Washington, D.C. It is called the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. An official wreath-laying ceremony is held each Veterans Day at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier in Arlington National Cemetery. Usually, the president or another high-ranking government official lays the wreath on the grave. Britain, France, Australia, and Canada also commemorate the veterans of World War I and II on or near November 11th. Canada has Remembrance Day, while Britain has Remembrance Sunday, the second Sunday of November. In Europe, Britain, and the Commonwealth countries, it is common to observe two minutes of silence at 11 a.m. every November 11. Veterans Day should not be confused with Memorial Day. According to the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs, Memorial Day, the fourth Monday in May, honors American service members who died in service to their country or as a result of injuries incurred during battle. While Veterans Day pays tribute to all American veterans, living or dead, but especially gives thanks to living veterans who serve their country honorably during war or peacetime. Protecting me in every way 
and businesses have deals for veterans. Here is just a sample of the freebies veterans and active duty military can get. Please check your nearby locations to find out if they are participating. Today, veterans can get a free donut at Dunkin'. Free coffee and a donut at Krispy Kreme. Or a free breakfast combo at Wendy's. At Starbucks, veterans can get a free hot or iced coffee. And at IHOP, until 7 p.m., they get free pancakes or a pancake combo. Applebee's is offering a free meal when you dine in on Saturday, which is today. Lowe's is giving out free collectible pins to the first 150 veteran customers. The hardware company already offers a 10% military discount to active duty and veteran military service members and their families every day. For most of the deals... You do need to show a valid military ID.
flower of remembrance. In Flanders Fields by John McRae. In Flanders Fields the poppies blow. Between the crosses row on row. That mark our place and in the sky. The larks still bravely singing fly. Scarce heard amid the guns below. We are the dead. Short days ago, we lived, felt dawn, saw sunset glow, loved and were loved, and now we lie in Flanders fields. Take up our quarrel with the foe. To you from failing hands we throw. The torch be yours to hold it high. If ye break faith with us who die, we shall not sleep, though poppies grow in Flanders fields. This was the poem written by World War I Colonel John McRae, a surgeon with Canada's 1st Brigade Artillery. It expressed McRae's grief over the row-on-row of graves of soldiers who had died on Flanders battlefields located in a region of western Belgium and northern France. The poem presented an image of the bright red flowers blooming among the rows of white crosses. The poppy continues to serve as a tribute to those who have given their lives for the nation's freedom. It's time for nuggets of information. Let's talk about Veterans Day. Do you know what Veterans Day is? Veterans Day is a special day where we celebrate all soldiers, whether they're actively serving or retired, who serve this country. Not to be confused with Memorial Day, which is a special day where we remember and honor those soldiers who lost their lives in the service of our nation. Did you know there are now six branches of the U.S. military? The Army, the Navy, the Air Force, the Marines, the Coast Guard, and the newest branch, the Space Force. They exist to defend our freedoms and keep us safe here on the land, on the sea, in the sky, and even way, way up above it, in the stars. The first Veterans Day was November 11th, 1918, the day World War I ended. In 1919, over a hundred years ago, President Woodrow Wilson proclaimed November 11th as a day to honor our veterans. It was originally called Armistice Day because it was the day Germany and the United States signed the Armistice Agreement. An armistice is when enemies agree to stop fighting. That makes Veterans Day a celebration of peace. The name was officially changed to Veterans Day in 1954 by President Dwight Eisenhower so that it included veterans of all wars, not just World War I. Other countries recognize this day too. Australia and our neighbor to the north, Canada, also honor veterans on November 11th, but they call it Remembrance Day. Great Britain celebrates Remembrance Day, but they do it on the Sunday closest to November 11th. All of our soldiers fought side by side in the First and Second World Wars. 
It's very important to recognize the sacrifice and bravery of our soldiers. Without them, this country might be very different, and we might not enjoy the freedoms that we do today, including cheeseburgers. Those are good. So if you see a veteran or if someone in your family served in the military, make a point to thank them for their service. You don't even have to wait until Veterans Day. It's always a good day to tell a soldier thank you. Every one of us owes our veterans a lot. Number 11! Uh-oh, gotta run. This has been Nuggets of Information, Veterans Day edition. See you all again soon. And remember to thank a veteran today. Welcome to Rico's Reading Room. Today, I'll read a Remembrance Day book called... A poppy is to remember. I know you'll love it. A poppy is to remember by Heather Patterson. Illustrated by Ron Lightburn. Once there was a long and terrible war. A war some called the Great War. Many young men went off to fight and many did not return home to their families. But still, in the muddy fields where they fought, wild poppies sprang up, glowing brightly. An army doctor, weary from tending the wounded, wrote a poem about that war and about those poppies. In Flanders Fields in Flanders' fields, the poppies blow Between the crosses, row on row That mark our places, and in the sky The larks, still bravely singing, fly Scars heard amid the guns below We are the dead, short days ago We lived, felt dawn, saw sunset glow Loved and were loved, and now we lie In Flanders' fields Take up our quarrel with the foe, to you from failing hands we throw. The torch, be yours to hold it high, if ye break faith with us who die. We shall not sleep, though poppies grow, in Flanders' fields. His poem was read far and wide, when the war finally ended, on November 11, 1918, People everywhere celebrated the return to peace. A poppy is to remember those far from home, crossing the troubled lands. And threatening waters and dangerous skies. It is for the wounded and those who cared for them. It is for the dead and those who carried on without them. It is for the brave ones who remain and their memories of battle. A poppy is for peace. Every year on Remembrance Day, it blooms across our land. 
copy is to remember. Day. How many war veterans are in the United States? A. 17 million. B. 22 million. C. 27 million. Or D. 32 million. How many war veterans are in the United States? A. 17 million, B, 22 million, C, 27 million, or D, 32 million.
That's right, 22 million. 22 million war veterans are in the United States. Next question. Veterans Day was originally known as A, Armistice Day, B, Flag Day, C, Remembrance Day, or D, Soldier's Day. Veterans Day was originally known as A, Armistice Day, B, Flag Day, C, Remembrance Day, or D, Soldier's Day. A, Armistice Day. Veterans Day was originally known as Armistice Day. Question number three. Veterans Day is celebrated on November 11th because A, that's when the treaty that ended World War I was signed. B, President Woodrow Wilson picked that day from a list submitted by the heads of service organizations. C, Congress wanted the holiday to fall between Labor Day and Thanksgiving, or D, none of the above. Veterans Day is celebrated on November 11th because A, that's when the treaty that ended World War I was signed. B, President Woodrow Wilson picked that day from a list submitted by heads of major veteran service organizations. C, Congress wanted the holiday to fall between Labor Day and Thanksgiving, or D, none of the above. That's right, it's D, none of the above. Who first proposed that Armistice Day be renamed Veterans Day? A, Dwight Eisenhower, B, Alvin King, C, Douglas MacArthur, or D, Harry Truman? Who first proposed that Armistice Day be renamed Veterans Day? Is it A, Dwight Eisenhower, B, Alvin King, C, Douglas MacArthur, or D, Harry Truman? The answer is B, Alvin King. Who first proposed that Armistice Day be renamed Veterans Day? That was Alvin King. What flower is a symbol of Veterans Day? A, forget-me-not, B, lily, C, poppy, or D, rose. What flower is a symbol of Veterans Day? Is it A, forget-me-not, or B, lily, C, poppy, 
or D, rose? That's right. It is C, poppy. The poppy is the flower that is a symbol of Veterans Day. Veterans Day officially acquired its current name in A, 1954, B, 1956, C, 1958, or D, 1960. Veterans Day officially acquired its current name in what year? Was it A, 1954, B, 1956, C, 1958, or D, 1960? That's right. The answer is A, 1954. Veterans Day officially acquired its current name in 1954. Okay, here's a tricky one. The motto of the Department of Veterans Affairs is to care for him who shall have borne the battle. Who originally wrote these words? Was it A, Smedley Darlington Butler, B, Abraham Lincoln, C, Walt Whitman or D. Woodrow Wilson. The model of the Department of Veterans Affairs is to care for him who shall have borne the battle. Who originally wrote these words? A. Smedley Darlington Butler. B. Abraham Lincoln. C, Walt Whitman, or D, Woodrow Wilson? The answer is B, Abraham Lincoln. Last question. What percentage of all veterans voted in the 2008 presidential election? What percentage of all veterans voted in the 2008 presidential election? Is it A, 41%, B, 51%, C, 61%, or D, 71%? What percentage of all veterans voted in the 2008 presidential election? A, 41%, B, 51%, C, 61%, or D, 71%? The answer is D, 71%. 71% all veterans voted in the 2008 presidential election. Here's a bonus question. 
How many of the United States presidents have been veterans? Is it A, 25, B, 28, C, 31, or D, 34? This is a bonus question. How many of the United States presidents have been veterans? A, 25, B, 28, C, 31, or D, 34? The answer is C, 31. 31 presidents have been veterans. Welcome to Michelle's story time, story time, story time. Michelle, story time, story time, story time. I am Michelle, and welcome to Michelle Story Time. Today I'm excited to read Chicka Chicka Boom Boom by Bill Martin Jr. A told B, and B told C, I'll meet you at the top of the coconut tree. Wee, said D to EFG. I'll beat you to the top of the coconut tree. Chicka, chicka, boom, boom. Will there be enough room? Here comes H up the coconut tree. And INJ and tag along K all on their way up the coconut tree. Chicka, chicka, boom, boom. Will there be enough room? Look who's coming. L-M-N-O-P and Q-R-S and T-U-V. Still more W-X-Y-Z. The whole alphabet up the... Oh, no. Chicka, chicka, boom, boom. Skit, scat, scootle, doo, flip, flop, flee. Everybody running to the coconut tree. Mamas and papas and uncles and aunts hug their little dears then dust their pants. Help us, cry ABC. Next from the pile up, skinny D and stub toe E and patched up F. Then comes G. All out of breath, H is tangled up with I, J, and K are about to cry. L is knotted like a tie. M is looped. N is stooped. O is twisted. Alley-oop. Skit, scat, scooter, do flip-flop, flee. Look who's coming. It's Black Eyed P. Q, R, S, T, and loose to T. Then U, V, W, wiggle, jiggle, free. Last to come, X, Y, and Z. And the sun goes down on the coconut tree. But, chicka, chicka, boom, boom, look, there's a full moon. A is out of bed, and this is what he said. Dare, double dare, you can't catch me. I'll beat you to the top of the coconut tree. 
Chicka, chicka, boom, boom. The end. That is the end of Chicka Chicka Boom Boom by Bill Martin Jr. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Mama is always gentle. 
She rubs coconut oil along my scalp and slowly pulls the comb through my hair. But sometimes it still hurts. Mm, I know how she feels. When mama gets to especially tangled places, I try my hardest not to cry, sucking in my breath and pressing my hands together until they're red. But a few tears always manage to squeeze out. Mama, stop, I cry, when I can't stand the comb tugging at my hair any longer. Oh, I know that feeling, girl, it be hurting. Mm-mm-mm. Mama puts the comb down and rubs my hurting places. Then she leans in close to me like she has a big secret to tell. Do you know why you're so lucky to have this head of hair, Kiana? She asks. I shake my head no, because it's beautiful and you can wear it in any style you choose. I can spin your hair into fine, soft yarn, just like our grandmothers did at their spinning wheels, and weave it into a puffy little bun. Ooh-wee! A puffy little bun? If I had a spinning wheel, I probably would weave it into a sweater, just to stay warm for the winter. Or I can put your hair into straight lines and plant rows of braids along your scalp the way we plant seeds in our garden. Then wait and watch for them to grow. Mm, then I, that's what we call cornrows. Mm-hmm. I love cornrows. In the morning, before we walk to the store, Mama adds colorful beads to the ends of my braids. The beads click to the rhythm of my walk, helping me remember what we're going to buy. Tap, tap, clickety-clack, milk, bread, peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> Folks on the street look at me and smile as I dance along to the tap, tap, clickety-clack music my hair makes just for me. Now, I'm going to tell you, when I was younger, I used to always have my hair in beads. And my favorite thing was to jump rope with the hair in my beads. And sometimes I would be in class in elementary school, and I'd just do my hair like this, click, 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 click when my teacher would say stuff I didn't want to hear. Lesson learned, that's how you get detention. Don't click clack your beads in class. Some days, I just let my hair be free to do what it wants, to go any which way it pleases. Then my hair surrounds my head like a globe. This is my Afro style. Oh, I love this picture because this is exactly what I look like with an Afro. I love my globe. Look at that. This is what we call an afro, honey. Yes. And you get one of these combs here and you just pick it out. Mm-mm-mm. And I'm ready to go to the disco. Once when I wore it, the kids at school teased me. My head felt heavy and I let it hang down low. But my teacher made me feel better. She said that when she was growing up, Folks counted their hair as a blessing. Wearing an afro was a way for them to stand up for what they believed in, to let the world know that they were proud of who they were and where they came from. No, that's right. I love my hair because it's thick as a forest, soft as cotton candy, and curly as a vine winding upward, 
reaching the sky and climbing towards outer space. Oh, that's cool. I, I want my hair to climb towards outer space. I'm not gonna lie. That's, that's a lot of hair, though, to get to outer space. Could you imagine how much hair it would take to get to outer space? I don't know if my neck could handle it. But today, I'm wearing it in my favorite style of all. Two ponytails that stick out on either side of my head, that flap in the air like a pair of wings. One of these days, I just might take off and fly. Now, wouldn't that be cool? That's my favorite. Like, ponytails on each side, my favorite. Mm-mm-mm. Well, we just finished reading I Love My Hair by Natasha Anastasia Tarpley. Besides your hair, what else do you love about yourself? Me, I love my scalp. Ooh-wee, when I can take my hair off and just relax. I'll see you guys later. Keep reading and love who you are.
slave I'll be buried in my grave And go home to my Lord And be free Oh, freedom successful propaganda campaigns in American history was developed to obscure the role of slavery in the Civil War. The lost cause narrative perpetuated by groups sympathetic to the Confederate effort asserted the war was fought over states' rights and downplayed slavery as a defining right in dispute. In America today, almost half the country believes that the Civil War was about states' rights. But the historical record shows that the Civil War was about slavery. I talked to Waite Rawls, the former president of the Museum of the Confederacy, to get some answers. Was slavery the principal cause of that political dispute? Yeah, yeah. I, there's no way to, de to deny that. But to say Confederacy is synonymous with racist is to connote, and nobody else was, and they were all by themselves in that. 
99% of the white people living in the United States in 1860 were racist, including Abraham Lincoln. Initially, Lincoln was not in favor of giving blacks voting rights or allowing them to hold office or even intermarry with whites. Eventually, he did make incredible steps forward in terms of equal rights, like the 13th Amendment and the Freedmen's Bureau Bill. But his main priority at the time was keeping the Union together. So he also pardoned all the Confederates and vetoed legislation banning slavery altogether. Back then, white supremacy was the nation's prevailing social order throughout all of the Union. Another side of reconciling is we got to push those African-Americans out of the way. They're in the way to the national reconciliation of the white North and the white South. That gives ground for the lost cause politically, which was we couldn't have been wrong. We simply must have been outnumbered. The lost cause was a national propaganda campaign to misrepresent what the Civil War was actually about. The main tenets of the lost cause are that the Confederacy was fighting for states' rights, not slavery. That slaves had great working conditions, were loyal to their masters, and often fought for the Confederacy. Portraying slave owners as kind and Southerners in general as more steeped in Christian values in order to make the case that they were fighting for a just cause and only lost because they were outnumbered. It is a reflection of a need for Southerners to reconcile their grief over significant losses. The total disruption initially of their social order of white supremacy, whether you were slaveholding or not. But how did we get to a point where a propaganda campaign became American history? General Moore at 99 follows the heroic dead of the South to a soldier's grave in Selma, Alabama as the last tiny handful of the boys in gray prepares for the final Confederate reunion in Norfolk, Virginia. The women who are most responsible for this did an extraordinary job. A lot of the lost cause narratives can be traced back to funerals for Confederate soldiers and the women they left behind after the war. Women all over the South started creating memorial associations to collect the bodies of Confederate soldiers, properly bury them, and create monuments to their fallen heroes. One of the most prominent groups was the Confederate Memorial Literary Society. They send out a call to prominent white women throughout the South and say, we have to preserve the legacy of our loved ones. And they open up what they call the Confederate Museum, and it is a hit. It was a shrine. It was a shrine to the Confederacy. Each room of the house was set up with these artifacts from each of the Confederate states. But it's only their story. If black folk are represented, it's because they are the loyal, loving slaves, supposedly. One of the underrepresented stories of the American Civil War is the U.S. colored troops. At the end of the war, there were more black men in blue uniforms than white men in uh, gray uniform. People need to know that. We have completely removed black people from the narrative when they were central to it. The Lost Cause made its way into popular culture through films like Birth of a Nation and Gone with the Wind. The Confederacy needs it, so we's gonna dig for the South. Don't worry, we'll stop them Yankees. Goodbye, Big Sam. Goodbye, boys. And eventually found its way into school textbooks and even legislation. This group has nothing to do 
with discrimination that Congress prohibits, nor do they advocate radical... 1910, they make the decision that, hey, no more textbooks that speak ill of the Confederacy. And that persists until today in some places. In 2018, Christie and Waite decided to merge their museums to provide a more accurate picture of the Civil War from multiple perspectives. What you want is for people to form their own perspective fully informed. What's the harm in people not knowing the lost cause? The harm comes when there is a disrespect for dignity of life that becomes sort of generational because it's grounded in a series of lies. The history has never been about the dead people, really. It's always about us and the moment that we're in and the issues we're trying to contemplate and wanting to understand sort of this connective tissue. It's always been that. Do you feel like Richmond is going through its own sort of truth and reconciliation process through these challenging discourses, disagreements, and representations of the city? I think Richmond is going through a period of awakening. The only way that you really can come to some form of conciliatory behavior is when everybody finally understands it and, and has um, a desire to move forward in a more equitable way. This is what we do in museums. The challenge is helping people build new memories so they can create a more accurate heritage. The American experiment was a huge advance into something very, very new. And they called it an experiment all the time. We need to continue calling it an experiment, which means that it can get better if we keep working at it. Welcome to Kitchen Science. Today we're going to make lava. Baking soda and vinegar combine to make an amazing substance, gas. Just add dishwashing liquid and you've got a bubbling foam that looks like lava. It's a great introduction to the world of chemical changes. What you will need one-fourth cup of baking soda, one-half cup of water, one-half cup of vinegar, one-fourth cup of dishwashing liquid, damp sand or dirt, a can, one end removed, a pitcher, and red food coloring. What you will do Mound up dirt or sand in your yard to make a volcano shape or work inside using a tray of sand. Number two, press the can into the top. Leave the top uncovered. Build up the sand around the can until it's hidden. Number three, place the baking soda in the can. Mix the water, vinegar, dishwashing liquid, and food coloring in a pitcher. Number four, ready for the eruption? Pour the vinegar mixture into the can and watch the lava flow. 
Substances often meet without much change occurring when you add a spoonful of baking soda to a few spoonfuls of water you end up with a solution of cloudy water but what happens when you add a teaspoon a spoonful of baking soda to just a few spoonfuls of vinegar just watch it fizz you created a completely new substance called carbon dioxide gas it is totally different from the vinegar or the baking soda you started with the atoms have been completely rearranged to create a product with molecules totally different from the old when an entirely new and different substance is created that meeting is called a chemical reaction. Thank you for listening. In the words of Mrs. Bernice Presley, you are someone special, outstanding dignitary. Have a great day.